to this episode of Encounter Cottage Grove, a podcast about the people of a small rural Oregon community of Cottage Grove. We share small town stories that explore the big issues. I'm your co-host, Rosie Foraker. And I'm Josh Vitale. And then we have some logistics to share with you. First off, you can email us at encountercg at gmail.com. We really hope to hear from you. All the feedback we have gotten has been extremely helpful. Another way to contact us, to be sure, is to leave an audio message on the Anchor app. You be sure to follow us on Twitter as well, and all that information will be on the show notes page, so be sure to check out the show notes. We'd also really appreciate your help in getting the word out about this podcast. The best way to do that is to talk to your friends about the podcast and encourage them to listen. Other ways are through social media. Please share the podcast, rate it positively, favorite it, and write a good review. All that said, thanks for listening, and let's get to it. So, Rosie, thank you. You you did this interview with Samantha Duncan. Would you tell us um, who she is? Give us a little bit of background before we jump right in. Yeah. So, Samantha Duncan owns a health hub and has also been a part of Be Your Best in Cottage Grove. She's also fundraising for emergency funds for people in Cottage Grove. I decided she came to mind in terms of interviewing her because she owns a small business in Cottage Grove that's been affected by the quarantining that we're having to do. She also uh, has just been a really big uh, community organizer. Yeah, that's one of the things I like about this. You, She is somebody that went from doing one thing before coronavirus to doing another thing and really transitioned and pivoted and she's from cottage grove her family's in cottage grove she's kind of been a long-term community member and has a lot of networks here and has been doing a lot of stuff i think it's one of the reasons i like it's she's grounded in um the needs of people who are dealing with the economic fallout of this crisis as well Mm -hmm. yeah she's doing a lot of the hard work and heavy lifting of community organizing to help people in cottage grove um, and that's what I think is just great to hear her experience right now. So let's hear what you guys have to say. All right. Hi, Samantha. Hi, Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanted to start by placing you in the context of Cottage Grove. Can you tell us some of your story as it relates to Cottage Grove? Like me being here? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I, I grew up here. Um, actually, I live in Curtin, down south, about 12 miles. My parents are both from Oregon, and they met at the University of Oregon and got married. And my dad was a, he is a doctor. He's a family practice physician. And they spent some time in San Francisco and then down in uh, Tuba City, Arizona. My dad was in the Indian Health Services in the 70s and then they moved back and bought a farm on territorial which was lorraine route back then Mm. and a gravel road 
So I grew up in that house and I still live there. I moved back in 2006 um, after I finished graduate school. And I moved back because the farm is just part of my life and part of my sister's lives. And we just really wanted to make sure that, because my mom was there <clears throat> by herself at the time. My dad moved to Astoria when I was in fifth grade. So I moved back and was working in Eugene. I worked in Cottage Grove pretty much through high school. I worked at the book mine for years and then went to church at the Presbyterian church. And um, so, I, you know, I have a lot of Cottage Grove connections, not so much from school, but more sort of uh, work and then kind of my parents' social structure. My dad actually started the original birth center in Cottage Grove with um, Irene and Barbara Kay. There was a birth center here? There is was. that is it was that um birth center. It was right next to the old hospital. Oh, okay. Building. And that, that closed a while ago, yeah? It's not still... I think it closed... Let's see. He left in 88. It had all read... I don't remember if it was closed before he left or not. <clears throat> but then, then the hospital closed, mm -hmm. and then they reopened the hospital. So, yeah, he... It was one of the first kind of in the county when people could come and have their babies there. and Wow. So, yeah. That's cool. He did a lot of home births. He was very much a rural doctor. <laughs> so, um, I was born there. Anyway, so then I moved back and I was working in Eugene. I have a library degree, so I was working at a, a special collection library up in Eugene. And then I was working for a staffing company. And then I was teaching fitness classes for what used to be Ironworks, which is now Emerald Fitness in Cresswell. And then I moved to teaching at Anytime Fitness. And then I got more and more interested in physical fitness as kind of a mind-body connection and the, the impact of sort of physical knowledge and mental health and kind of overall well-being um, and trying to develop some of that from early ages and all the way through, you know, through life. Because I noticed a lot of people just on these regular routines of going to the gym, working out, having some healthy eating habits, but getting really influenced by, again, people making money off of um, life-changing products, and just wanting people to understand that the body and the mind are very much connected, and it's all, the health cycle is very much related to what you eat, and how you feel about yourself, and what your support network is like and you have a lot more control over it than you think it's really scary and it's very vulnerable but you um and that I think once you can kind of control that about yourself or or find those connections and make those connections that leads to 
you know, sort of a healthier self, which leads to a healthier community. And then it kind of goes outward from there. I think part of what's happening right now is that everyone has been looking for someone else to provide the solution and then kind of starting to follow that, but then moving on to something else because it's not really working because we're not fully centered in our own bodies, which is where we live. Yeah. So, um, so I started the health hub and it's been open for two, well, until March 16th, it was open for two years in December. And I, I started out just doing fitness classes for all ages, essentially. And my idea was to kind of be a prototype for a rec center like what they have in Eugene, the parks and rec centers that have a whole bunch of different lifestyle classes and crafting and activities and kind of community building activities for all ages at the same time, including physical fitness and mental health and just different face-to-face activities where people can get together and it's low cost and you know you just kind of have a good time at your own pace and your own level with your family or with friends so I was I, I am hoping to bring something like that into South Lane County and it's the health hub is great it's made actually forged a lot of really cool friendships and connections throughout the two years that we've been open but it's very small mm-hmm. and, I, and it's limited in terms of capacity and staff but I think it's a good start and that's um we were we were really started getting to the point where I could start to expand a little bit and then COVID-19 happened and I shut the doors for in-person classes and yeah that was um one of my next questions actually was what it's like to own a business right now especially one that has had to kind of be closed you know be closed until mm-hmm. uh further notice I think it's been different for me than for a lot of other people. Um, I have a lot of support still, even though I I don't have my doors open for classes. I have been doing some online teaching and I have some followers, but I think more people who are wanting to just financially support me for the near future. So that's basically clients that you had previously Mm -hmm. that even though they're not getting that full service from you, they are... Yeah. They are still paying you. They are still paying me. And then I picked up some online training clients who I who are getting that, that service that from me. And then I have some sort of external, you know, just family financial support as well. It's a, it's strange, you know, because I don't have to worry about rent and utilities. And I can keep the building. Mm-hmm. You know, that has been it's been kind of a mental struggle for me because you know I'm I'm sort of I feel sort of like I'm just throwing money at an empty building right but the building itself has now been repurposed as sort of a storage facility for different community groups which is great (laughs) and then it's also been a nice place for me to just go in and do work um it's turned into more of a solitary office yeah yeah a really nice one with lots of windows (laughs) and it's quiet and urban kitchen is right next door and they reopened so and I have you know very stable wi-fi so it's 
it's been helpful in that way and it's also really I haven't gotten as much done as I wanted to in terms of the business part of the health hub but I've been able to think a lot about what I want it to look like if and when things open back up and as we transition into summer you know um, I can probably I'm gonna hopefully the next round of the United Way grants is coming out on Monday or is the deadline is Monday and I was just thinking yesterday I could probably partner with a nonprofit and and get some funding for some camps mm. this summer just mm-hmm. like put yoga mats on the ground and the kids stay in their little mat or something and do so a sort of a social distancing summer camp yeah, for kids yeah. outdoors maybe in one of the parks or somewhere yeah. that we could just limit the numbers and you know I mean I think that the rules are going to relax a little bit right but you've really had to shift your vision Mm -hmm. for the health hub based on Mm -hmm. uh, our current situation yeah and I've been forming a lot more partnerships with Mm -hmm. non-profit you know I'm not a non-profit I should have started that way but you know it's it's been it's been a real time of networking right which I think is where my other pivot has been with um be your best yeah i was gonna ask about be your best um because that's another thing you're really involved in right now but actually i do want to follow up real quick okay with the business situation so for me and also because i didn't really i mean i had one i have one employee who um is not on payroll she was contracted employee to do my gymnastics classes so she was kind of the most full-time employee and she's doing okay. I checked in with her and she's been coming and doing some Friday things, but I haven't had to worry as much, I think, as other business owners have had to about their employees and the state of their business if they can't open up or they can't pay their rent. You know, I think overhead's a lot higher for some people and not being able to access the unemployment has been really, really tough. And that is one of the most frustrating pieces of this for me is how state governments have been lagging on getting financial resources to people. And the federal government, you know, I mean, it's, we pay into this system expecting that it will have our back when we need it. And it's, it's incredibly frustrating when you can again look at exactly why that's going on you know you have these outdated computer systems and you can't imagine that that's not something that they knew they would run into at some point but then we have reached this pandemic stage and all of a sudden everyone needed money and so I think it's really tough for a lot of the other small business owners in this community and it's really important for the people who are still working to focus on supporting those people as much as possible so that we can get through this together and that so when this is over hopefully then those people will still be able to either stay in business or maybe move somewhere else and in the community and and start back up so yeah i've definitely seen you know, stuff flying around about people still struggling to find unemployment and um, who have overheads of rent. You know, we, my family of four, got our um, stimulus 
money, um, which was really helpful. But we're how many weeks into this and Mm -hmm. is that enough for most people and and especially business you know the small business loan funds running out and and stuff like that it's a it's a big concern Mm -hmm. um how we surface um so one of the um, uh aid coalitions that you have involvement in is a organization called be your best Mm -hmm. uh from what i've read about be your best and what i know about it it is a cross sector coalition of community partners based here in cottage grove and its mission is to improve the health of the community and that's based upon a health assessment that uh happens through the county Mm -hmm. yes um as as you see it how has COVID 19 altered the course of this mission so the the new community health needs assessment just came out actually Mm -hmm. the it's the united way live healthy lane and they had gathered a lot of data i believe in october they started doing some surveys focus groups you know they they get feedback from all of the organizations that uh provide services and advocate for underserved and vulnerable populations, at-risk populations, and really everybody across the county. And Be Your Best was started because when the first um, needs assessment came out in 2013, I think, Southland County was just dismally scoring low in a lot of the different sectors. So that includes, you know, dental care, you know, early childhood education, literacy, poverty, so um, free and reduced lunch usage, pretty low. I mean, we're, we're a pretty impacted community by financial instability. Mm-hmm. Housing is a huge one, and, um, you know, obesity, childhood obesity, and smoking rates, you know, everything is just sort of like... It's a perfect The scores storm. were low, you know, and that alarmed a lot of people who are working in these industry in the healthcare industry or you know the sort of social services and also business owners because if you have a business in a really um affected community like that the turnover is pretty high you know it's hard to stay in business and keep up with rising costs of everything else if the people who live in your community can't access what you're providing because they can't afford it so the coalition is made up of business owners, um, governments and school districts, so the city government, school district, and then other uh, nonprofit yeah. organizations. I saw on the Be Your Best uh, Facebook page that there was over 30 different mm-hmm. organizations that are sort of uh, trying to work together mm-hmm. to address Yeah, and so concerns. we meet monthly and just sort of discuss what everyone's doing and... Um, and what things are looking like. And then if we have certain projects that we can collaborate on, then we, we do that. So the project that we're collaborating on right now, uh, one of our members came up with the name um, Cottage Grove Community Cares. And we applied for some grant funding through Oregon Community Foundation with the Rural Organizing Project as our fiscal sponsor. 
to create this network made up of sort of a core team of social service organizations and the city to assist people who are providing services to expand enough to meet the needs of everyone in the community regardless of where they are in terms of um, being able to access that specific organization's services. So the, but this was a shift after COVID. This was a shift after COVID. Before COVID, we were really focused on the community health clinic that's coming to Lane Community College. Right. So this was the pivot, the Mm -hmm. CARES, the CARES. Mm -hmm, The CARES piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we actually just got word from Oregon Community Foundation yesterday that we received about half of what we asked for, (laughs) but it's still a significant amount of money. That's better than nothing. Um, I think they've been hit pretty hard. I mean, that will tell you how much need there is in the state, you know, because the community foundation serves the entire state. And I think they've been getting a lot of requests, um, for funding, but we also got some funding from the Ford family foundation and from United way to support this particular project as well. So, we're kind of building this team up to tighten up the safety net essentially and then tighten it up and then also expand it for now and maybe you know once this crisis has passed then it can go back to you know serving the the usual population and that safety net that you refer to is uh financial aid like food aid and uh, whatever, a health support, uh, connecting this vulner- the vulnerable population. You know, obviously that definition of the vulnerable population has expanded mm-hmm. um, based on COVID, but it's those, you know, basic necessities, covering and connecting people to the basic necessities mm-hmm. of survival mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, and just making sure that there isn't a community or people who are slipping through the cracks, mm-hmm. you know. So seniors who live upriver who can't come down to the meals at the churches or the meals and you know trinity lutheran is actually still providing hot meal or not hot meals but takeaway meals um but you know some seniors are homebound and they can't drive and meals on wheels has been i believe still operating but they don't reach everybody and so you have populations who maybe don't have the means to get somewhere they don't have gas money or they don't have a working vehicle so the the push of the CG cares is to again kind of boost the capacity of these existing organizations and then if that capacity can't be boosted enough or if their own requirements and regulations prohibit them from serving certain people you know if you're above the po- like a certain threshold of poverty or you know if you're unhoused or don't if you don't have an address which that actually has been changed thank goodness you know trying to to fill those gaps identify first so really you know this is a real push to identify who in the community is not getting their needs met because of a lack of communication and inability to identify those needs and um what are you hearing in in this work since covid began and the community cares has gotten into action um what are you hearing from this population in terms of their greatest needs and then secondly how can people uh, plug in and help so food is a big one food has been a really big need and 
you know, there's been a lot of food brought into this community over the last several weeks, <clears throat> primarily from Food for Lane County, but a lot of people are donating to community sharing and to uh, Family Relief Nursery. And the school district has been providing lunches and breakfasts at different points. And I believe they've given out a lot. I don't know. They have the sort of weekly update. Right. I mean, I, I, for one, have been sort of astounded actually on that particular piece because here we have a society that that uh, a society where there's a large group of kids that won't eat well or won't eat at all mm -hmm. unless they're getting it from school lunches. Mm -hmm. um, if you really sort of let that sink in, that's pretty. It's, it's pretty intense. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons why I think that a lot of states waited longer to close the schools because without school these kids were missing two meals a day hmm. that they depended on their families depended on have their kids having those meals so that you know so that they didn't have to worry about their kids getting fed it's heartbreaking you know and then on top of that you have an entire population of unhoused students who you know, are either living on someone's couch or living in a trailer on someone's property with their family. They don't have the access. You give them a food box, they can't cook necessarily. Mm -hmm. And so a bag of dried beans is not going to be that helpful, you know, if you don't have any, any way to um, prepare something like that. And then you have an entire population who doesn't eat traditional American, you know, being the food that we would expect in a food box and so, so that's like have... culturally appropriate food right yeah, yeah. Well, i mean we have a growing population of um migrants and refugees here who have status and but they're still worried about deportation you know i mean there's a lot of fear and worry and i think that's a big part of the access there's a lot of shame for a lot of families so you don't want to admit that you need help or you don't want to go back to a certain place because you felt like you were treated unfairly there or you were, you know, you, you couldn't access and you didn't understand why or there was some kind of miscommunication. There's just, um, and that's, you know, I mean, that's very typical, I think, in most communities. And so you'll continue to go back to the place that you feel comfortable and that you, um, or you just won't go. And then you suffer. And that's the hard part. So finding those people in our community, because that's our community, you know? I mean, whatever you may think about social safety nets and, you know, welfare, whatever you want to call it, if people are suffering in your community and you don't do anything about it that's kind of reflecting on you in terms of a citizen of a community and so if you don't have the means to help financially or even if you don't you know if you don't have the means to help for whatever reason it's still really important to get that information out there and to connect people to the services that you know could help could help them so i think that's 
you know, that's what I take away from being part of Be Your Best and Cottage Grove Community Cares. It's like, whatever I might think about this person, you know, if our politics differ or if I don't think they made really good decisions in their life, that's, that person is not me, but it could be me. You know, our roles could be reversed. And so I need to do what I can to help that person so that they might turn around and do the same thing for the next person in line. And then we become a community that communicates with each other and helps each other. And then that just sort of spreads from the ground up rather than waiting for someone to, you know, <laughs> just give us a, a sign as to what's going to happen next. Cause we don't know. And that is the biggest thing about this whole thing right now. It's like, nobody knows how long it's going to last. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows how safe it is to really start interacting directly with each other in big groups again and I don't want I don't want to take that chance you know and if it turns out this was all hyped and for nothing I think at least at the end of the day we have this opportunity to rebuild that community so if it really did happen right we'd be ready like if there's a time to maybe stretch yourself in terms of helping out reaching out um for whatever capacity you have, if you're doing, if you have the capacity to help this, um, it's interesting because there's a potential and it sounds like that's what's happening with CARES, which, you know, some of this was, these networking things are going on ahead of time. There's a lot of these organizations already coordinating with each other, but this, uh, the potential outcome of this expanded network, this expanded um, giving, helping, could then create a bigger safety net for whatever's next yeah yeah and if you just kind of let go of your own um assumptions about people and your own sort of negative reactions to why people are asking for help or who they are mm -hmm. you know it's like if you can let go of that and just see people as fellow human beings who need help right now and address that need in whatever way you can, mm -hmm. you know, if it's just saying, hey, you know, I'm sorry, you need help. I'll see what I can find. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or it's kind of about opening. Yeah. Like a heart opening mm -hmm. exercise. It is. So my final question um, <clears throat> relates to what, from your perspective, given the economic crisis and the health crisis we face as a rural community, uh, we can do to navigate into the future and what local and non-local advice can you give to our listeners, which is kind of, uh, we kind of touched on that just mm -hmm. now is what is, um, you know, that advice. And it sounds like sort of what you've just been saying is, you know, see where you can plug in, see where you can plug in and just really make sure that you are whatever resources you're putting into the system right now you know a lot of people are sort of keeping their money close right now understandably because again we don't know what's going to happen but if you can put those resources back into the to the local system it'll stay here and it'll come back to you eventually so that you know and then, and then we have you know just pay attention that's the main thing that I want people to take away from this is pay attention and really think about what you're hearing and whether or not it makes sense to you as a human 
and if it applies to your life specifically. And then just really, I read something today that was something along the lines of, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed and if you're feeling angry and upset and like you have way too many different forms of information and different things coming at you, just take a step back and focus on what you can control Mm -hmm. and focus on that and focus on how you can make little things get done right we have this like own domain (laughs) right i mean we have this huge you know the 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 problems of the world are so big and they're so hard to address and um you know what you're involved in and what you we've been talking about is really about sort of zooming in and looking at how we support the people around us um and as you know uh members of a rural uh community um a good way to sort of manage this like overwhelming experience of living through a global pandemic a good outlet may be to plug in uh very locally one to one uh mm-hmm. figuring out what organizations are positioned to direct that help and get involved in that mm-hmm. um yeah it seems like that would be a good advice it is yes and also if you see somebody getting left behind or not not getting brought to the table to use all of the all of the lingo you know or if you see an injustice happening or if you see a place where you know somebody's not able to access something say something about it speak up draw it to someone's attention who can actually help you know don't scream about it on facebook where you know maybe one out of 10 people will see it and probably nobody who can actually do anything about it can see it use the phone call these places the city's still answering their phone um rob dickinson set up a helpline for the cares network which i can send to you um the county is still answering you know i mean there's a lot of really great resources available for you to get really good accurate information and some of the community facebook groups are wonderful and they do provide direct you know i know this person they're my cousin or whatever so but take it with a grain of salt and if you have questions just go to the source yeah and (laughs) speaking of sources so we will um in wrapping up this conversation we will plug in uh to the show notes here uh some of the organizations that were mentioned um and ones that that would directly connect you with people who are providing uh direct aid Um, or indirect aid to people in need right now. And, you know, if you're someone in need, also reach out and, um, and ask for help because, you know, it's a global pandemic after all, and we are all going through something big. So, um, I really appreciate your time and, um, yes, thank you. Thank you. That was good. It's good to talk to you.
we'd like to thank the late local legend Richard Swift and Marco Benevento for the music.